Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged, the podcast series brought to you by Open Banking Expo. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Editorial and Broadcast here and your host as usual. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Ron Morrow, who is the Executive Director, Retail Payment Supervision at the Bank of Canada. We're talking just a few weeks before Open Banking Expo Canada, at which the Bank of Canada will have a presence. But Ron joins me on this episode to discuss the supervision of payment service providers or PSPs and retail payments and what the Retail Payment Activities Act means for PSPs in Canada, as well as those operating outside of the country. He'll also be talking to me about the bank's role as a regulator and how its supervisory approach will complement the modernisation of Canada's core payments infrastructure. So that shift to real time rail. Uh, as well as a, a broader discussion about Canada's move towards open banking. Welcome to the podcast, Ron. Uh, thanks, Ellie. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's start with finding out a little bit more about your role uh, at the uh, central bank. So I, I know you were appointed to your current role at the Bank of Canada in July 2021. Can you explain what that entails and, and your responsibilities? Sure, uh, I'd be very happy to. So uh, my current role is to... to lead the design and implementation of the bank's framework for overseeing retail payment service providers, PSPs, as you noted. Uh, so I've been working with my colleagues Kathy, to you know, help build the framework, consult with industry on what's important as we uh, look to bring this, uh, this whole regime to life and can provide advice to our, uh, co- our colleagues, uh, the, uh, the Department of Finance, as they, uh, as they draft the regulations. I guess the other thing that's been occupying my time is is working with a group to help build uh, a growing team of uh, very knowledgeable and dedicated staff who are working to bring all of this to uh, to life. Now, what exactly is our mandate? Well, under the uh, under the new uh, legislation, the uh, uh, we undertake a responsibility the, to to help protect Canadians' interests every day, and I, I think perhaps unbeknownst to them, millions of Canadians place their trust in PSPs whenever they make a payment or transfer uh, funds if whenever they tap their card on something or check out at their favorite online merchant. Uh, there's a, a PSP or several PSPs in the background helping to facilitate that transaction. So our goal is to give Canadians confidence that the trust they're placing in PSPs every day is warranted, that their funds will be protected, and that uh, risks associated with the transaction will be well managed. Really important work, of course. And um, uh, just just to give that a little bit more background, I mean, you've had had other roles um, at the Bank of Canada over the years, so so you know the industry. I would imagine inside out. What, what have been some of your other roles at the central bank over the years? So I've worked in a number of different areas. So I worked in our financial markets uh, area for uh, for some time. So a lot of the the wholesale financial markets work we do uh, we do at the bank, feeding into other functions, financial stability, monetary policy, uh, etc. I've worked in our, our funds management and, and banking area. So that's where, you know, we're we are a payments institution. We send and receive payments for ourselves, for our clients like the federal government or uh, other central banks, so build some knowledge of uh, payments in, in that area. And I also headed up our financial stability 
department where at the time uh, I had, uh, amongst other responsibilities, that's where our work to oversee systemically important payment systems or our large value payment system here in Canada called Lynx. That's where uh, the supervision of that system uh, takes place. So uh, it was, I, I did have a, a, a good base to work from, but I will be uh, uh, humble enough to say that we weren't really, ex- you know, fully experts in all aspects of retail payments when we got this mandate. Uh, it's been through a lot of conversation with the industry that we've helped build that expertise. Yeah, I'm sure. And, and you know, we'll come on to, to find out a bit more about some of those conversations and engagements. But um, yeah, if we can kind of dig down a little bit into this this very new core function, which, you know, that's that supervising PSPs and, and retail payments. So can you explain exactly what, what the Retail Payment Activity Act is? Sure. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll divide it up into the, the who, the what, and the, and the when. So I'll start with the who. So we currently estimate that there will be more than 2,500 entities that are going to be subject to our supervision under the RPAA. So who are these entities? Well, the legislation uh, lays out five different payment functions. If you perform any one of those five functions, you could well be subject to our oversight. So those include uh, functions like initiating uh, an electronic funds transfer or authorizing or transmitting instructions to, to, to facilitate a, an electronic funds transfer. I, I won't go through all of them, but at the end of the day, what it means is our supervision will apply to a variety of entities, including payment processors, to digital wallets, currency transfer services, and a host of other payments technology companies that provide these payment functions. Moreover, uh, this will apply to entities, not only those who have a place of business here in Canada, but uh, also those who uh, who perform retail payment activities for an end user in Canada. So companies out- located outside of, uh, outside of Canada who are providing these payment services to Canadians would be covered by the Act. So that's the who, so the what. So if you are subject to this Act, what does that actually entail? Uh, well, there are are three key things you're going to have to do uh, if you're subject to this act. First is you're going to have to register with us as a payment service provider. Uh, We're going to have uh, standards in place for or requirements in place for managing operational risk and protecting end-user funds. If you're a PSP that actually holds end-user funds, many don't, but some do. so those are the three things you'll have, three key things you'll have to do. But on a related note, you'll have to uh, uh, there'll be some annual reporting requirements to us as a as a registered PSP, and some some fees you'll have to pay as a as a registered uh, registered PSP. So we have just recently published an overview of our supervisory framework on our website that lays out the you know provides a, a little bit more detail on uh, on all of these aspects. So that's, that's the what. So the when. The when is uh, we, uh, uh, you know, our colleagues at the, uh, you know, in the government, at the Department of Finance, uh, will in due course, uh, soon we hope, be publishing the, the regulations that will go along with, uh, with this act. Uh, so those will come out and be available for public comment. We'll also next year be publishing our own regulatory guidance, so kind of a further detail on what we ex- actually expect of PSPs. Uh, that sh- we, you know, I hope that all of that will happen next year, and that will 
set us up to actually uh, start registering PSBs in 2024 and formally begin supervising them in 2025. Great. Uh, so so much uh, detail in there. Thank you, Ron. And something I wanted to pick up on in particular was the point you made about um, those PSPs who are, they're not operating in Canada, they're operating outside of Canada, but providing those services to Canadians. So what what does the Act mean for them? What are, what are the implications there? So uh, they'll have to they'll have to register and, and comply with our standards. So you can think of there are a number of currency transfer services. The uh, some 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 notable ones in the UK who who offer uh, services to uh, to Canadians. The you'll you'll see on our, uh, our uh, we have a, an advisory committee of PSPs. So Wise, for example, is one of those uh, one of those P, uh, one of those entities. So. Those would be the types of entities who could very well be subject to this act, and will have to uh, meet it, meet uh, meet our requirements. Thanks for for kind of clarifying that. Um, so so let's talk about um, the engagement that uh, the bank has done on this uh, area of supervision, uh, which you kind of alluded to earlier. I, I'm interested to hear about the kind of feedback that you got from from the industry and, and the kind of communication that you've had to make sure this act kind of works for everyone and, and is most effective, of course, you know, for, for not just organisations, but for consumers and, and for everyone that's part of this sort of ecosystem. Uh, so a few things on that. I, I think the uh, a, a good example of the piece, a piece of feedback we've gotten is that you know to not to if we don't have to don't make this a uh, you know a made in Canada uh, regime if other regimes uh, out there uh, in the EU in the UK uh, in Singapore wh- wherever the if they have similar requirements to what we're requiring the and it you know makes sense for us the align our requirements with what other international regulators are doing uh it will make you know by doing that it will make it easier for psps to comply with uh, our regime because they're already complying with regimes elsewhere equally i think it will uh, it would make it uh, easier for canadian psps who are looking to do business outside of canada you know, if they're in compliance with our act, they will, you know, start uh, being, you know, hopefully in compliance with others. And that will make it easier for them to uh, to uh, to operate outside of uh, outside of Canada. So that's the, an example of the type of feedback we've gotten. And, and I would say that it's been it's been a pretty positive set of conversations with PSPs thus far. Uh, the Now, granted, this may be biased because it's based on the PSPs who have spoken to us, not the ones who haven't. But the feedback we've gotten is that people broadly embrace the regime. They they, uh, are uh, more than willing to be regulated. It sounds a little strange to say that, but they are. And the, the, the reasons they give are, there are two principal ones. So the first reason is... One of the challenges that many PSPs face is their interactions with the regulated financial sector, so with banks and credit unions and others, and that by becoming regulated themselves, by becoming part of the regulated sphere, uh, their uh, expectation is it will actually make it easier for them to interact with other financial entities. So that's one motivation. A second motivation is that uh, a PSP who's uh, regulated regulated by the bank will 
ultimately be able to uh, apply to uh, become uh, a direct settlement member of the, the our new real-time rail infrastructure. And PSPs uh, obviously see a lot of benefit of, of being able to be uh, direct members of that system rather than than having to go indirectly through uh, through other financial institutions. Yeah, and I guess um, you raise a kind of an interesting point there about the fact that obviously the feedback you did get was was perhaps from those PSPs that that are engaged with it, and and that there are the majority of PSPs do want to be regulated. But what about those? And I'm sure it's, it is only a handful. But what about those that kind of fall out of this? You know, that don't actually register with the Bank of Canada. What are the implications for them? Uh, well, the uh, you know uh, PSPs will have to have to register with the bank, and uh, uh, we expect them to. Uh, you know, for those who don't, uh, we're prepared to take uh, take action. We'll have a variety of tools at our disposal, both legislative and non-legislative, to uh, incent their uh, uh, their application to uh, to the regime. Uh, but you know, we're, I'm 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 hopeful that we're not going to have to make use of that. But I'm not so naive to think that there might not be a few cases where we'll actually have to, you know, take enforcement action for those who are uh, uh, reluctant for whatever reason to uh, to sign up to the regime that that applies to them. Yeah, and I guess that brings me on actually to to how the bank is is going to um, approach its role as a kind of supervisor. Um, a regulator almost. Perhaps you could tell me a little bit about how that will work and whether it will differ for retail payments as opposed to, you know, the larger payment systems that that you currently oversee. Uh, so uh, it will it will be very different than the, the, our, super, our supervision or oversight of systemically important payment systems. I mean, for things like our, our large value payment system there, the focus of supervision is risk proofing the heck out of the system like it is it is very important that that system function you know all the time everywhere that it doesn't fail because a, a failure of your large value payment system could create cascading failures in your financial system uh, and cause some very very serious problems here with this regime it's a it's a much narrower focus we're really just focused on making sure that if you are holding end user funds that those funds are uh, held in a way so that in the event the PSP itself becomes insolvent, that those funds can be returned to uh, to end users, and it's focused on managing, you know, making sure you have a good framework for managing operational risks. So, what do I mean by that? I mean by you know you've got a framework for thinking through the resiliency of your operations that. You know who your third-party service providers are. You have a plan in case one of those third-party service providers runs into uh, runs into trouble. You have measures in place to to safeguard end users' uh, personal and financial information. Those those types of things. So it's a a much narrower scope. And as I alluded to, I, I think we have uh, uh, some additional detail for folks uh, on our website with uh, as we, which we've laid out in, uh, kind of our overview of our supervisory framework. Uh, and and then I, I guess in Canada, you know, there are different pieces of legislation. There are different regulators and kind of levels of, of government departments. But there are, I guess, similar regimes in in other jurisdictions. So how will this one compare to those? And have have you taken any kind of learnings from from other jurisdictions and the way they've supervised uh, the retail payment space? Uh, absolutely. So we have been in, we have been in touch with uh, 
uh, other regulators internationally to to learn from them in terms of what there's a lot of similarity between this regime and, and what's taking place elsewhere. So it's been uh, they've been very helpful in that regard in, in talking to us about what what works in their regimes, what doesn't. If they had to do it over again, what would they do? Uh, what would they do differently? So that's been super valuable. And even domestically, the you know this regime is aimed at. Uh, entities that uh, many entities that aren't currently covered by a supervisory uh, regime. So it's geared towards I w- what what I would say if, you know trying to fill you know supervisory gaps. So if you are an entity that's already supervised for uh, operational risk and protecting end user funds, like a bank or a credit union, you're you know specifically scoped out of this regime. We're trying not to be duplicative here. Uh, uh, here domestically, and we're trying wherever we can to align with what other supervisors are doing internationally. That's good to hear. And, and look, I wanted to ask you specifically about crypto. I guess it's an area of the market that we don't cover a huge amount on, on, on Open Banking Expo, but um, I'm interested to know whether this um, Retail Payment Activity Act will also apply to, to the crypto space, given that it is, you know, a burgeoning market and, um, and you know, many investors, retail and institutional are kind of taking part in it. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on that? So the RPA, as it's, as it's currently constructed, applies to all fiat currency uh, payments. So uh, the, uh, you know, it's, you know, re- you know government issued currencies only uh, at this point. Uh, there is scope within the legislation to expand it to cover other forms of, uh, of currency, so it could be expanded to crypto or, or stable coins, uh, but that's not currently in scope. Could change in the future. The, the federal government, uh, they announced in, the, in their spring budget that uh, they were going to undertake a legislative review of uh, digital money and digital payments uh, within Canada. So uh, there'll be more on that review uh, next year, I would expect. So it, it's possible that the that the regime could could expand. We'll, we'll wait to see what uh, what conclusions the the government reaches as as a part of that. Okay, watch this space then. Exactly. And Ron, I know there's you know lots of activity going on in the payments ecosystem at the moment in in Canada. So I'm interested to hear how um, this act kind of fits in with those other initiatives. Perhaps let's start with Real Time Rail, which um, actually recently got pushed back, didn't it? Uh, it's not set to come in now until I don't think there's a firm date that's been set. I think I'm right in saying that, but I'm sure you'll correct me if I'm wrong. So how does it fit in with with Real Time Rail? So, uh, as I alluded to uh, before, the, uh, the, the big link between uh, this initiative and the real-time rail is that PSPs will be able to join, that, uh, uh, join the real-time rail uh, directly. So once the, once the rail gets, uh, gets, uh, get, gets constructed and is up and running and our regime is up and running, you know, and there's, a, I guess, a third leg of the, the federal government is committed to make some changes to the payments Canada Act to allow uh, PSPs to be able to join directly. Once all those things are done, uh, the people will be able to apply to become a, a member of Payments Canada and become a, a direct participant in the real-time rail. So, uh, so there's a lot of conversation between ourselves, Payments Canada, and uh, the Department of Finance about how that's all going to fit together. So that's uh, coming. Great. And, and what about then 
open banking, uh, which is an initiative that has obviously been much talked about in, in Canada. I know it's it's not been implemented as such yet. There's obviously an open banking lead now in the country and, and high hopes that a, a kind of roadmap is coming, um, maybe early 2023. Obviously, we're yet to find that out for sure. So, yeah, how does this act fit in with, with open banking more generally? So uh, we're, we're certainly following the developments in open banking uh, closely. The, I mean, the open banking lead, Abram and I, we've had a couple of conversations. We're making sure that the teams are, are in touch. They, they really are uh, kind of separate initiatives, but we're, we're sharing uh, information that we think might be relevant. For example, as we've developed uh, the work with the Department of Finance to develop thinking around the regulations about what, well, okay, what, what's actually going to be required of PSPs when it comes to managing operational risk. And as we get granular and think about the details there, we've, we've shared that information with the, uh, with the open banking team because that's something they might want to think about when they're thinking about what, uh, you know, what are the requirements that, you know, someone has to meet to be able to, to be eligible for the open banking regime. So uh, there's no... I would say uh, strict ties between the two, but we are uh, being as open as we can with them to make sure that uh, they they know our thinking and can take that into account as they're designing the uh, the regime here in Canada. Finally, then, Ron, I, I guess you know if there are any um, PSPs listening to this podcast um, in Canada or indeed outside of Canada, but this regime will apply to them. What should they be doing now? What should be kind of top of their, their priority list? Well, they can do a few things. Uh, the, uh, they should, uh, they should probably take a quick peek uh, at our website with all the relevant information that's, uh, that's on there. It's, uh, uh, you know, if, if they just go to, you know, bankofcanada.ca slash RPS, that will take them to the the landing page for our retail payments supervision information. We do have a newsletter that we're uh, that they can sign up for. We're going to try to keep the industry, you know, up to date on how things are going. There are. It's probably it. It is an important time uh, for PSPs because when the regulations get published, it will be a kind of a draft set of regulations. There will be an opportunity to provide uh, feedback before the regulations themselves are finalized. So I. I guess my biggest message at this point is now is the time to engage. Now is the time when PSPs actually have a chance to shape what the regime is going to look like and how it's going to function going forward. So uh, so they should gain, engage and, and speak up. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, now if, they, if you don't speak up now, you're going to miss your opportunity to, uh, to, to shape the regime. So I think that's my biggest message to them is uh, learn more, get engaged, and uh, do... Uh, provide that feedback uh, over the course of 2023 when the regulations and the regulatory guidance is is published. Well, Ron, thank you so much. We'll obviously be following closely that um, that the draft regulation when it does come out and and any feedback you receive here at Open Banking Expo. But um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much, Ellie. It was a pleasure to be here and uh, uh, looking forward to seeing even more people sign up for our newsletter. My thanks again to Ron Morrow there from the Bank of Canada uh, for talking us through the the new Retail Payment Activity Act that's due to come out there very soon. We'll obviously try and keep you as updated as possible on Open Banking Expo through our usual channels. 
Uh, if you would like to listen back to any recent episodes of the Unplugged podcast, we've had some great guests on, then please do check out the on-demand section on openbankingexpo.com. That's all for now. All it leaves me to say is goodbye and see you back here again very soon. <laughs>